2: Welcome to the Sean Spicer Show. I hope you had a great weekend. We have a lot to break down in the world of politics. We're out there in Milwaukee for that first Republican debate. It was amazing. You would think that would be enough, but the day after the debate, and we talked about this, the air gets sucked out of the response because Donald Trump turned himself into the Fulton County DA. Um, They're pushing forward these indictments, but it's not just Trump. There's 18 other co-defendants. Some of them want to change the venue, the location. There's so many things that are surrounding what's going on in Fulton County alone. But then the fallout from the debate, who did well, who didn't, who's gonna move? And that's what we talked about with that panel. Did the needle move? And I think we've got a lot to break down. Plus Donald Trump truthing today about what he thinks is going on with Ron DeSantis' campaign. It's big news, big, big news. I'm gonna give you my take on all of this because we've got a big week ahead in terms of the fallout from the debate, from the Fulton County thing, what it all means for the Trump campaign, for the other campaigns, who's up, who's down. Let's get into it. (laughs) Do me a favor, please. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're subscribing, hit the notification button. Even if you're not, will you do me a favor? Go over to Apple, to the uh, podcast section or to Spotify. I really don't care which. Even both, do both and subscribe to both. Those numbers are so important to the success of the show. I really appreciate everything that you've done to support the show, support our sponsors, share the thing. But the growth of this show and all of independent media is on the line right now. So I appreciate all of your uh, your segments.
1: All right,
2: so much to break down in the world of politics. Um, Let me just start with the Fulton County DA action because we're at the debate in Milwaukee. You heard us break down the guests, and I think we can further that today as far as where everything has happened in the last few days since then. But the Fulton County DA situation, um, to me, it is so interesting for so many reasons because of what's going on legally. All right, so we have these three other indictments, right? It started with the Alvin Bragg in New York. Then it went down to Florida, the Jack Smith, the federal indictments down there. That had to do with the handling of classified information, whether Trump gave it back or not, blah, 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 blah. blah. Then you had the Jack Smith federal indictment for January 6th and election interference and trying to overturn an election. Okay, this Fulton County one is brought by a local DA, Fannie Willis, down there. And, and, and um, they are charging all sorts of things like it's a criminal enterprise, a criminal enterprise, like the mafia. This is organized crime, according to Fannie Wilson's, the DA. And think about it. We're talking about someone objecting. You can hate Donald Trump. You can be against everything that he has stood for, what he has said about people. all that. But at the end of the day, to the most liberal person in the entire world, Ask them if they really believe this, the the weaponization of what's going on. Because the idea that consulting with a lawyer, talking about objecting to concerns you have, um, is a criminal enterprise. I mean, Democrats would do it. Stacey uh, Stacey, uh, Abrams down there in Georgia, she still says the election was stolen. She'd be governor. She says she's governor. Hillary Clinton talks about all these Dems. They've object. Where's the line? That's what you have to ask. Because if if objecting to an election and believing it was stolen, you achieve is the line. Well, we got to build some new jails for all the Democrats. I just, again, you can say some of his team acted inappropriately, that he he acted unethically, but criminally and a criminal enterprise. I I just, I this is where again I think that. The folks on the left have gone too far and they've actually helped, I think, unify a lot of folks on the right. There's a lot of people that I was talking to in Georgia over the weekend that said, Trump's now going to win Georgia. And I was like, really? I mean, you look at him walk through right now. I mean, this was a show. And they knew it. The thing that was interesting to me is Fannie Willis thinks that she's going to be smarter than Donald Trump, who's made a life out of promoting himself. I mean, the mugshot. He's avoided the mugshot, New York, Florida, DC. She insists on the mugshot. Here it is, they get it. It's now what? T-shirts, it's gone viral. Everywhere that you look is the mugshot. Donald Trump knew what he was doing. I mean, how many times do you think he posed? He sat in the mirror. I mean, he went smile Trump, he went angry Trump. I mean, he, he, I guarantee you a hundred times practice this thing in the mirror. He knew exactly what he was doing. He wanted everyone to see this. And I think they're, like the Blast 3, it's going to make him stronger. So I I just, the interesting thing about this is every one of these guys, it's like a cartoon, you know, where they keep trying to get the guy and he escapes. Donald Trump, they, they think somehow they're smarter than the next guy. Alvin Bragg thought he was the smartest guy. Everyone mocked him. Then Jack Smith has tried twice. It made Trump stronger politically. And now you have this local DA. And even a lot of the haters are like, ah, this isn't the way to go. And we're going to break down a lot of the questions. When you try to wrestle 19 people, you think this is going to be easy timing-wise, coordination-wise? I'm not a lawyer and I get this. They've handed him a huge gift. And we've got a lot more to break down because there are so many questions that are not getting asked or answered because the media is so in the tank for this.
1: Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This indictment, I think this is what it's all going down. They, they plan this thing out, right? I asked Chris Lasavita, Trump's top campaign strategist in the spin room. If you are watching the show last week, you know, I said to him, did you guys time this? And he said, we could have timed it any time. No. Yes, you could have. It had to happen by Friday, but Trump didn't do it Friday. He did it Thursday just so that all the cameras would capture him. He could have done a lot of things to minimize the impact on this. Uh, they could have fought the mug charge, the mugshot charge. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure that they didn't seem to put up a fight on it. They relished it. And like I said, look at the picture. That's not like a random mug shot that you just got pulled off the street and somebody said, stand for your mug shot. He practiced that thing. I wish he had smiled. But a lot of people I talked to said he wanted to look indignant. He wanted to look like, I'm not angry but I'm going to fight. And I think he accomplished that. I get it. It depends on the audience you're going for, but this was unbelievably strategic. And he did exactly, not only did he garner a lot of people in terms of the charges, but he took all the oxygen out of the room. Nobody was talking about the debate Thursday. I mean, seriously. I mean, I guess if you're Asa Hutchinson, maybe that's a good idea that you don't want people talking about it, but it's for some of these guys, that was probably the case. But for a lot of them, I think they wanted to be talking about this. DeSantis wanted to go out and make the case. I think Mike Pence, to some extent, wanted to. Chris Christie a little. Um, And obviously, Vivek Ramaswamy. Everybody was talking about him Thursday morning. I went online. Uh, I went to check the morning shows. Vivek Ramaswamy, Vivek Ramaswamy. I mean, there's a little good and bad. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't all 100% positive. But by Thursday night, Trump, 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 Trump. It was... Pretty unbelievable. And but what I brought up on the um on the Thursday show, we had these operatives, we were in Milwaukee, but similar situation. We're sitting here, they're next to me, and I'm asking them is it gonna really move the needle? Yes, you can have a good night. I brought this up the other day. You can root, you can be a fan of a team and still think a rival team had a good game. That doesn't mean it's gonna change the needle. Right? So, what does this mean for the primaries and caucuses? As I've said all along, I don't think that there's a path forward for DeSantis. If he doesn't, at least come in a strong second in Iowa. Because he has to think of a way to go forward. And right now, Christie's actually running second in New Hampshire. I don't know that it moves the needle that much because Ramaswamy crushed it. And if you, I think there's probably two groups of voters, caucus goers in Iowa. And this is simplistic. So if you're from Iowa, hit me up. Tell me I'm wrong. You've got the people who are hardcore establishment Republicans. Uh, And then you've got a lot of the MAGA folks out there. I've been to the caucuses. I'll give you a take on this a little bit later, but I think that the establishment folks are getting divided up. And the Trump folks are solid with Trump no matter what. Trump's got like a 40 point lead in Iowa, big lead in New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada. And in order to stay relevant, DeSantis needs to win that Iowa caucus. They say that they can come in a strong second, blah, blah. I think strong second is relative. If he, gets, if he doesn't get within 10 points, what's your message? Also, I brought this up to you guys before. Every state has a threshold, okay? So if you don't get X, and we, we won't know Iowa's for another month, but let's just say it's 10%, okay? So if you don't get 10%, you get nothing. No delegates, zero, not a bye-bye. Same thing in New Hampshire, et cetera. So if you're a candidate like Mike Pence and you walk out of New Hampshire or out of Iowa and you've got nothing to show for it because you literally have no delegates, how do you make the case going forward? Because at the end of the day, this is a race to delegates, about 1,500. If you're like, hey, I went all in and came out with nothing, how do you tell a donor or an activist or supporter, hey, by the way, double down on me, I got Zero. Because that's what it's about. It's not about what your poll position, where you get 9% and thresholds 10, not up. So DeSantis in particular needs to make the case that he picked up some delegates, at the very least, and go forward. He's got to sell these folks on why to keep investing. And so does Christie in New Hampshire. But here's the problem with Christie, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later with Vivek's my analysis on Vivek. How big do you think the never Trump is, Chris Christie? Because that's what you're really running for. He's at nine, 10%. Okay. Let's just say that Chris Christie can double that. He can get to 18. Let's give him 20. You can't win with 20%. You just can't. And by the way, let's just take it one step, but let's just say I found a way, Sean, you can do it. You think you can win a general election when you've told all of Donald Trump supporters that, you know, that they're morons for supporting Trump? I mean, do you really, do you think that you could, because I don't, I just don't see, and I think that's the problem is, no one wants to ask the tough questions, why? Because it's Donald Trump and the media hates him. And they'll put on Doug and Asa Hutchins on a Sunday show. I've been doing campaigns for 30 years. You kill for press. And the first thing that these guys will say is how much money have you raised? Where are your polls? Because they don't want to waste time interviewing you or putting you in an article if it's a fool's errand. And yet these guys in the media hate Trump so much that they're putting on Doug Burgum and uh, and Asa Hutchinson, they can't win. They can't. I mean, but yet because the hatred of Trump and Trump supporters is so much there, Meet the Press will have them on. Same with Chris Christie. None of this is personal. I think that, I said this the other day. I, I think Doug Burgum seems like a really nice guy. Not only that, he has been an extremely conservative governor in North Dakota. If you are a conservative, he's done a ton. Great, we need more Doug Burghams. He seems like an amazing governor, a, a guy that gets things done. But at the end of the day, he can't win. Sorry. I I, I wish him well. I hope he finds uh, like another place to be involved because I think he would be great in the system. And obviously, like I said, it's not just a talking about Doug Burghams has delivered. If you live in North Carolina, North North Dakota, you know this. And I, I wish this was an open field or that he runs again. He's not just a talking head. He's actually a guy that has delivered, but he can't win. And I don't think that Chris Christie can win, and yet he's you know, getting told he can um, But as I said, the media is so into hating Trump that they've gone overboard. I want to play you this clip from Joy Reid.
3: Giuliani and people like Trump persecuted black and brown people in New York. It's what they did for fun. It's what they did for pleasure. They enjoyed it. They enjoyed lording over people who had nothing, who had no million-dollar lawyers, who couldn't change lawyers at the drop of a hat and get a different hip-hop lawyer the next day when they were tired of one, who couldn't go out and make their case on, you know, Fox or on Newsmax, who had nothing and who Donald Trump lorded his everything over, and still people who looked like them put him in rap songs. It was an indignity to me that something I loved, a culture I love would lionize that. And so to me, this is justice. The fact that Manhattan didn't give him a mugshot, I thought was offensive. I thought that the fed said, we already know what he looks like. He was the president of the United States. Okay. Offensive. Everyone else had to take him this case. And I think Fonnie Willis is a hero. She is a national hero because she more than any prosecutor in this country. And I respect Jack Smith and I respect all the prosecutors that are doing this. She's the only one who said these wealthy, powerful, privileged men and women are just American citizens. And when they break the law, they will take that picture. What
2: the heck was that? First of all, I mean, let's start at the beginning. They persecuted brown and black people in New York. First of all, Giuliani was mayor, what, in the nine, I mean, around 2000, he's been out of office what, what What is he, I mean, he hasn't, he was around, but he hasn't been mayor for 20 years. He's mayor on 9-11, America's mayor. And he was prosecuting brown and black people, not letting, I, what, and, and by the way, look at the other folks on that panel. Rachel Maddow, Nicole Wallace, just sitting there uh, acting as though this is, right. And this is literally the definition of misinformation. Trump prosecuted these people for what? That doesn't make any sense. And so then she gets into the mugshot, whatever. I mean, first of all, I would argue that this is a huge benefit to Trump. So the, the idea that Fannie Wells has done some service, the mugshot is not meant, this is like, she's right. She actually made the case. The Fed said, oh, he's the former president of the United States. We know what he looks like. Well, I mean, The mugshot serves a purpose in the criminal prosecution world. You don't need to be like, "Uh, Donald Trump, uh, what does he look like? Which guy? Oh, that guy, the ginger. Yeah, six foot, whatever, five. Okay. Yeah, remember who he is. You got a picture of him? The guy's like literally one of the most photographed people in the world. I'm not saying, but whatever, I think the feds were, hey, we have, we know what he looks like. He has Secret Service protection around the clock. We generally know where he is. I mean, (laughs) This is a silly conversation that they have. But again, it's all in the pursuit of getting Trump. Justice was served. Justice was served. They're not talking at all about the merits of what's happening. I mean, they're using a RICO statute. Organized crime. And by the way, one of the things that's interesting, again, you can disagree with what Donald Trump said and did. You can say he was unethical, but at the end of the day, everything he did, by the way, was within the scope of the process, right? He wanted to send electors. He wanted to call the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. Talk to the Gore team. See what they did in 2000 out in Florida. They did that. Why is it not illegal then? Oh, because Gore eventually conceded, and therefore that's the the okay part. See, when they do it, it's okay. When they seek redress, which is allowed under our constitution, when they use the first amendment, that's allowed. When Trump does it, huh? Why is a federal official being prosecuted in Fulton County, Georgia for a federal Shoot. Oh, well, let's not talk about that. I'm gonna get to that in a minute, by the way, but you see like, why is this being charged by organized crime, him consulting his attorney? Again, the attorneys, and I don't know what they said, Maybe they gave him the worst legal advice in the world. That's not a crime in America. Bad legal advice, if that were a crime, wow, again, more jails needed. But that's not what was happening. So I, I think, again, keeping all this in context is important. Because if it starts to happen to Trump, where does it end? I mean, think about all the questions that come out of this. You got all these guys seeking different legal revenues. Mark Meadows, Trump's former chief of staff, wants this to go into federal court because he was a federal official. And it happened over state lines. Trump was in D.C. Meadows was in D.C. It happened in Georgia. They talked to Brad Raffensperger, who was the secretary of state. So that would normally be a federal crime. Why is it not? Why isn't one of these legal experts coming up with things like that. I mean, there's so many issues that come to mind. And again, I'm not an attorney. We have Alan Dershowitz coming on the show tomorrow, who I think will give us some real interesting perspective as to federal versus state. Why isn't Trump seeking in federal? Why isn't he seeking to move it early versus late? This is a huge mess. Fannie Wilson done a total disservice. I mean, the irony is I know she's a hero to Joy Reid. But the reality is that this thing is an absolute mess. 19 people, I can't get 19 people to decide where to go to lunch. (laughs) She thinks that she's going to organize 19 trials at the same time. Good luck. This thing's not going anywhere soon. That doesn't mean it's not a travesty though. That's a bigger issue to me. Um, And part of the reason that I wanted Alan Dershowitz on tomorrow was to start breaking down some of these things because Uh, And and not to mention, I I will—there's much more, and I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. But think about all the legal consequences that are coming from this and where it goes from there. And also, there's like this gag order that the judge has put on Trump, what he can and cannot say, and yet he still has a First Amendment right to express himself, to talk about the government and the cases that he's made, to talk about— his concerns with the election. He is legally allowed to say that in this country under the first amendment. So what does the gag order mean for him and his team? You know, that's that's the big thing. The left has made these claims about Trump holding the Republican Party at gunpoint. Um let me let me play you the clip from the very esteemed leader or one of the leaders of the Lincoln Project, the same Lincoln Project, by the way, that covers for pedophiles. But that's another subject. Let me let me play you what Stuart Stevens had to say.
0: Well, look, you know, I think most people, if you woke up tomorrow and you were accused of overthrowing the government of the United States, you'd want to trial as quickly as you can to prove that you're innocent. Yes. I mean, that's at the heart of this. Yes. This guy's trying to delay it. It just, you know, it runs counter to everything that we think about justice and just sort of human nature. Um, look, when Donald Trump, when the Republican Party accepted Donald Trump, they put on a suicide vest and gave him the button. That's it. And he's won one election in, in his life. Um, and he, I don't think he's going to win a, another general election. But this is sort of. You know, there's sort of two events here. The fact that the head of the Wagner group was murdered, he was the guy who engineered on Putin's orders the Russian efforts to elect Donald Trump. And in many ways, this is sort of playing out almost cinematically, that once the Russians help elect a guy who basically is no sense of right or wrong, the party goes along with it. It's just a total corruption of the party, and it's just going to continue I think, until the Republican Party is crushed and crushed and crushed in election after election.
2: Now, there's a couple of things I want you to realize about that clip and why it's important. Number one, Stuart Stevens was the chief strategist for Mitt Romney. Enough said. I think he's a little jealous that he got his butt kicked and Trump went on to win despite needing people like him. That's part of this. There's a little bit of jealousy there. These guys who run around and tell everyone how to campaign and what they should say, who don't win elections themselves, are upset that Donald Trump won an election without them. That's a little bit, I mean, I hate to tell you this, but that's part of this. They're jealous. Stuart Stevens thinks that he needs to be needed. He wants candidates to call him and be like, Stuart, how do I do this? What do I say? Donald Trump didn't need Stuart Stevens. He won without him. Stuart Stevens, who then joined the Lincoln Project and hangs out on MSNBC. So that's one thing. The second thing that I want you to be kind of aware of is for all the left talking point about misinformation and disinformation, I present to you that clip and the Joy Reid clip. He's sitting there talking about, the, uh, first of all, let's work backwards because it's in my head that way. Pergozin electing Donald Trump and then getting, I thought we got rid of that talking point. Steel dossier funded by the DNC. Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. And yet, this is the crap that they spread. They talk about disinformation, election interference. This is it. Every day that people read the Washington Post or watch CNN or Politico or MSNBC, that's what they're being told. When you hear people go off about the Republican Party or Donald Trump and you go, how the heck do you think that? That's why. That's where they're getting their information from. They're Oh, we're Stuart Stevens. He was a big Republican strategist. He told me that whatever, where'd you hear that? That's where MSNBC and CNN and NBC. This morning, there was a discussion about that horrible tragedy in Jacksonville. The guy who goes after people because of the color of their skin, disgusting. And the NBC correspondent somehow goes from how this heinous racial act is partially because Ron DeSantis objected to some AP standards. What? But this is what we need to be on defense for, to be aware of. This is the crap, and I'm sorry, it is, that's what it is. This is misinformation. That's what's going on. (laughs) This is where it's coming from. They hate independent media, they hate conservative media because we present a counterpoint. If you just got up this morning and watched the Today Show, you're grappling with the horrible, tragic events that happened in Jacksonville, then you're hearing this correspondent segue into it. Well, it's kinda of because Ron DeSantis and AP teaching. I mean, what, no! This has nothing to do with Ron DeSantis, but they have to tie everything into the right. Right, bad, we're good. You can't do a segment If you don't make someone on the right look horrible, can you? And this is what's going on in MSNBC. The idea that Republican voters handed him a suicide, what? We're so stupid, aren't we? You couldn't possibly want to vote for a guy that's going to put three pro-life Supreme Court justices that will uphold the Constitution. You don't want someone that's going to you know, break Washington, secure the border, look at our trade deals, become energy independent. that You can't possibly want that no way. You got to want someone who's going to go along to get along. And that's what we offer. But here's the thing. This is bigger than that. There is a point, a, a point, and I want to play this to you. The night of the debate, we caught up with Don Jr. And we talked about the Fulton County district attorney going after his dad and what the we- the left has done to weaponize the judicial system. And Don said something very interesting about this probably going to the Supreme Court. Think about this. This is, for a while, I thought this was like a right-wing talking point. I was like, whatever. There's a story out that the folks in New Hampshire are considering not putting Trump on the ballot. This is Don's reaction. So there's a lot of people in the Democratic movement that, that I think are trying to change the game through a conviction of your father. How concerned are you guys? I think that this is the yeah. ultimate dem plot is to say to Republican voters, this guy's gonna be in jail, he's gonna be convicted, despite, you know, indictment after indictment, hardening the base, hardening support for your dad. What are you guys at all concerned about the legal? Because here's well, why you have been there for a while, listen. Put, I, put, we're here's, used the to it. here's the difference. In a DC court of law, it doesn't matter what your dad is not Eventually, done. Eventually it'll go right. to the
1: Supreme Court and they'll do the, okay. you know, they'll do what's right, they'll actually follow the law, but that's the point. We're in a fight where we're playing a different game. Right. The people on that stage don't get that. You know, they're playing t-ball while the Democrats are playing hardball. The Democrats want to jail their political opposition right now. But 750 years, Trump is a young and vibrant guy. We would both agree. (laughs) 750 is a long time. Okay? But that's what we don't understand. We pretend they're decent people. We think they're going to try to abide by the concept. They could care less. And they laugh that we think they care. It's a different ballgame. The people of America understand that. They know that Trump's the only guy that's actually delivered on all of the promises all these guys make. You know, everyone promises to move the embassy in Jerusalem. Yeah, everyone, you know, they're going to get peace in the Middle East. Sure, it's been a promise for decades. Who's the only guy that actually delivers? Energy independence, keeping inflation down, job creation across every demographic. Trump actually did that. For everyone else, it's a talking point. All
2: right, so he thinks this is going to the Supreme Court. But just stop for a second and think about that. Will it get expedited? But it's bank shot, bank shot, bank shot. You, you, when I've run campaigns for 30 years, you, you want to put your plan together and, and execute it. If part of your plan has to be like, yeah, after they try to jail us and kick us off the ballot, we're going to have to get an expedited review at the Supreme Court. How insane is that? But it is. August 28th, we are well over a year from the election. And if you don't think this is coming our way, you got another thing coming to you. Think about this for a second. They're openly talking about this. They're talking about the fact that they won't list the guy on the ballot in New Hampshire. And I think probably it'll come, Michigan will be also on that list. New Hampshire's four electoral votes. You add yeah, in Michigan, you start to play the game here. Some point, you take enough off the board, guy can't win. As I've told you before, there's eight swing states. This entire election comes into eight states. So let's say you get three of them, two of them, I don't care, to take Trump off the ballot. We're not gonna list him. Why? And we're gonna talk about this just so I'm clear where, what I'm getting at here. The 14th Amendment, Says so that anybody who's held office and has been part of an insurrection cannot hold office again. That's the 14th, and by the way, I always thought it was like a due process thing, but these guys are always thinking. That's the left, always thinking. And they wanna use section three of article, of, of the 14th amendment to go after Trump, to not list him on the ballot. Cause play this out, what happens? Well, we had an election, Joe Biden won, he got more electoral votes. Yeah, but Trump wouldn't even, he wasn't even, too late, we already had the election. That's what they did in 2000. After the election, what's the recourse? Well, you can't vote again. Election day's set in stone. You think that sounds far-fetched? It's not. This is the plan. They literally are telling us the plan. That's why I get so upset when we talk about China. China's like, uh, we're gonna take over you, we're gonna, you know, have the Belt and Road Initiative, we're gonna collect all of the minerals, and everyone's sitting around thinking, I wonder what China's thinking. They literally are telling us. Well, the left is telling us the same thing right now. The same thing. They are literally going to have this election, have Donald Trump's name removed from enough states that it will be almost impossible to win 270 electoral votes. (laughs) It's right there. I, I mean, look, you heard Joey Reed freak out about that that uh, mugshot. The one good thing is that I think the folks on the right get it. He he raised, by the way, the the Trump campaign raised seven million dollars plus right after that mugshot. And I don't know about you, but I mean, check it out. Seven million bucks. You know Trump, he's gonna be like, I'd like to get indicted again. Uh, but but the, the funny part about it is if there's any upside is that enough people, I had a bunch of folks tell me who aren't necessarily the biggest Trump supporters in the world and they texted afterwards and they said, he's gonna carry Georgia. And I said, really, why do you think that? They think that black men in particular in Georgia were outraged. I don't know if that's true, I haven't seen any data on that but I think it's interesting how at least people who are close to the, the populace down there in Georgia um, think that that's gonna be the case. And I think the Trump campaign is unbelievably poised to take advantage of this indictment. You look at the number of people who are posting their own mug shots. They're mocking this. It's, it's, this gets back to this issue of, did the DA down there jump the shark? Yes, she's a hero to Joy Reid. Great. You'll get your own MSNBC show someday. But the reality is, is that because of all the questions, is this in federal court? When is it going to happen? How do you keep the 19 together? this has done exactly what it's done with all the other indictments. It has garnered the base to get stronger, created momentum going forward. Trump is going to be stronger. And these other candidates, they came out of a debate, think they were going to tout themselves and they've got to now defend Trump. Right? This is a big thing. I think that this, you know, unless there's a game changer, by the way, I do think all of these cases, for the most part, at least legally, and I'm going to talk to Alan Dershowitz about this tomorrow, is I think that this is going to, push till after the election. What you saw, as I said, out of, coming out of the debate, Vivek Ramaswamy, the big winner, in my opinion. I think DeSantis did what he had to do. I, I think he proved to his big donors, keep giving to me, I'll fight another day. I think he answered some questions. Well, he missed a couple opportunities to get in there, but there's no question. If you look online, you look in the mainstream media, and you look at the Sunday shows yesterday, he's everywhere, Vivek Ramaswamy is everywhere. He schooled Dan Bash on CNN, and then Chuck Todd, he ran circles around the guy. Here's the thing, though, and I want to remind you of this. What did I say going into the debate? The mainstream media wanted a fight. They wanted a fight. They want everyone to be Chris Christie and go after Donald Trump. He's bad, he's evil, and da-da-da-da. I told you, I think that's a stupid strategy. There's only so many people, and plus, even if you win, you've pissed off all of Trump's supporters, then they're not going to vote for you, and then you can't win a general. I get it. It makes great television. It makes great ratings. It makes Chuck Todd happy and plus the people at CNN and Politico. But it's stupid, strategic. Look at Vivek Ramaswamy, I guarantee you, and poll after poll to come out in the next week, not just nationally, but especially in those early states, he's gonna fly up. He's drafting. I'm not a big NASCAR guy, but I know enough about drafting, right? You got that front car, the second car comes behind it, and it's basically trying to say, okay, we'll just draft off of you, and then at some point we're gonna try to go around you. Vivek is basically saying, I want you Trump voters who like Donald Trump, who like Donald Trump's policies, who like the America first agenda to join me. And I can be Trump without being Trump. I'm gonna support him, I'm gonna pardon him. And the rest of these guys are gonna slowly attrit and drop out. That's just Vivek, I mean, uh, Bergham, Hutchinson, buh-bye. Pence, I think slowly goes, Christie goes. And you're gonna have Vivek there. And then he's hoping that it's a one-on-one race at some point and he says, hey, I love you. I think you're great. I can be the next version of you. I can be a uniter. He gives a great answer. I don't think it's going to work. I just don't think, I think it gets you maybe to be the number two guy. But what adds to this, and this is what I talked about at the beginning of the show, Trump truthed out today that he thinks that Ron DeSantis is going to drop out of the race and run for Senate against Rick Scott. Now, here's the kicker. You saw that he was down there over the weekend dealing with this horrible, horrible shooting in Jacksonville. That's what a governor does, and rightly so. He was there consoling the folks down there, talking about how he was going to address security at HBCUs, et cetera, et cetera. But there's another thing that's happening. It's hurricane season. You've got a hurricane coming up the coast that's likely to strike in the Tampa area. And We saw what happened before. There's hurricanes cause problems and destruction, and hope to God that there is minimal destruction and no loss of life. But the reality is Ron DeSantis showed us during the last hurricane that he was a great leader in the state. Great leaders are gonna get a lot of press coverage. So he's gonna get stuck in Florida for the next little while. He's gonna have to be on national, on TV talking about recovery efforts, what he's doing, how he's handling this. And he did really well the last time. Hopefully, again, God willing, it's minimal. But the reality is that in any case, he'll be stuck in Florida, he won't be able to campaign because that looks tone deaf. And number two is that if he handles it anywhere close to what he did last time, It'll give him a ton of attention, talking about something that's good for his state. He's going to be talking about, he's going to be looking presidential, right? So I think Trump's got something there. How DeSantis reacts to this is critical. And also, how does Rick Scott react to this? Rick Scott has been a friend of Donald Trump. He's been supportive of Donald Trump. He's been a good campaigner. He's been a great governor and a great senator. Rick Scott's one of the guys who's been taking on China. A strong, strong uh Advocate of, of an America first policy. And DeSantis, I think, look, might have seen the tea leaves and said, I need to be in Florida for the next little while. This is my out. Again, I'm unfortunately I'm not hoping that anything bad happens. But he might use this as an opportunity where he says, Hey, I tried it. This isn't my time. So keep an eye on what happens in the next couple of days. But mark my word, Trump didn't do this out of nowhere. He he, you know, he's seen the tea leaves. Does he have, what someone said to me, is that prodigal son moment. Does he go to DeSantis and say, come home, son, I'll support you. Ah, you heard it here first, though, by the way, because I guarantee you that within like seven days, everyone's going to start to talk about this. But we said it first. As I said, though, a lot going down in these legal issues in Fulton County. Tomorrow, we have Alan Dershowitz on the show. He's going to help parse out all these big questions. What can Trump say legally? What can't he say without getting himself into trouble with the DA and the judge? Why is this in federal court? What's the timing going to look like? How does the judge handle all these issues? And obviously, this 14th Amendment issue. What are these states doing? What recourse can they have? And can the Trump campaign make sure that they're ahead of the curve and not behind it so that he's not taken off these ballots? But listen, the left, again, is playing a game of chess. We are playing checkers. This is why this show exists, so that we learn to play chess better. So thank you for your support. Please continue to subscribe. Again, if you're watching on YouTube or Rumble, uh, hit that subscribe key and the notification key. No matter where you are, please go over to Apple Podcasts. Subscribe there. The downloads are critical to us. uh, So please continue to support us and subscribe to us. uh, And that way, no matter what happens, you know, in terms of cancellations, etc., you'll always be able to get The Sean Spicer Show. Thank you for that, and I'll see you back here tomorrow.